Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Much love. Aight. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Up is down, black is white, cats and dogs getting along. Delusional. Stop riding that train. Choo-choo. Warm butter makes me sick. Send it recorded post for you. Naranjito. Naranjito? Naranjito? Hello! Oh, God. Christ! <laughs> it's going to be one of these nights, isn't it? <laughs> We're all tired. Hello, and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news. We preview and review every Chargers game of the season, and we bring you some of the hottest takes and rants around. I'm joined, as always, by my three amazing co-hosts. So first off... What are you doing, John Moss Jr.? Hello, uh, Bez. I've got matchsticks in my eyes. I think us on this side of the pond have been awake for about 48 hours straight. <laughs> Although I, um, yeah, just looking forward to getting this podcast uh, underway and getting some things off my chest. He's going to go mad. I think most of us are. Uh, um, he's got grounds to be annoyed, John Ayres. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Oh, yes. I. Uh, it was a night, and I I just have to say I'm very surprised about my morning. When I got up, I was getting ready to get on Twitter and start just calling for everybody's head. And somehow, someway, I found myself sitting here all morning defending Gus Bradley and that warm butter defense. I don't even know how. Warm butter makes me sick. Sick to my stomach. And yet I'm defending it. I just I don't know I don't know what this world's come to. So that's where I'm. Don't, at. don't die on that hill. Don't die on a Gus Bradley hill because <laughs> uh, it'll melt right under you. Hey! <laughs> last but not least, it's ale gone pear shaped. Dan King. Hey, Bess, how you doing? <laughs> I apologise for these terrible puns, <laughs> but I enjoyed them myself. So you know you get stuffed with them. What are you drinking, Dan? I need to know. Uh, so this evening I have a an. Orange Pale Ale, Brooklyn Naranjito. Naranjito? Naranjito? I'll leave that one to you, Naranjito. Bez. Naranjito. <laughs> Naranjito. Naranjito. Yeah, get the, the tongue. Dan, I expect you to be opening a can of uh, COVID IPA. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, what are you on, Water Was? Uh, I told you I'm on a water break until further notice. Ginger tea. <laughs> it's the new water. Ginger tea. Oh, it's a disgrace. I am not drinking coffee today. I know. What? I I know. (gasps) Shocker. Hold the phones. I have to say that I just, I am so just in my emotions and so triggered (laughs) by what happened last night. I just, my, my up is down, black is white. I just, cats and dogs getting along. Like, it's madness. Pure madness. So today, I'm actually drinking some very delicious kiwi strawberry sparkling water. So I have taken over the waters. Kiwi strawberry, lightly sweetened. It is delightful. It is sugary. Um, It is giving me the motivation to be here today and to not be too salty. Bez, you better put the uh, number out for the Samaritans after today. 
<laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, I, I'm just on my usual strongbow, but I have a twist. Are you ready for this? This is our first ever sponsored podcast. That's right. No way. Yes, mate. So, please, everyone, check out the Treat House. Treat, T-R-E-A-T, dot house, H-A-U-S, which is an amazing bakery here in the UK. Sorry, Americans, you can't get your hands on international shipping just yet. I say sponsored. I'm the only one benefiting because my friend Sandy, who runs the... uh, uh, the bakery and ships out cakes and delights all over the UK is going to give me a uh, a cookie as a reward. So uh, do I have to declare that on my tax returns? <laughs> but check check her out because I promised her a shout out. And um, does that it, split it, three ways that cookie? <laughs> Send Wait. it recorded post, will you? <laughs> You're getting none of it. So uh, so that's our first technical sponsorship ever. We've sold out. We've sold out already, or I have anyway. Um, sounds, it sounds you know, it sounds like you're Sean Paytoning it on us. Your power has gone to your head, and you're doing ridiculous <laughs> things like putting Taysom Hill in the game. That's what you're doing right now. Your power is your power <laughs> mad. Well, you know, we just touched on on the game, so um, the Chargers cough up yet another 17 point lead. This time to the stuttering state Saints. Can hardly say it. Oof, stuttering Saints. Uh, Herbert becomes the first quarterback in history to throw four touchdowns on their Monday night football debut. What a performance. But the Chargers defence, the coaching staff and some terrible kicking couldn't support him. Uh, And unfortunately, the team's at one and four. Um, I did think we were going to win it. And John and I's two and three prediction after five games would be spot on. And we could come gloating at you. We're one and four. We're bottom of the division. We're only one game above bottom of the entire conference. Um... On this, on this episode, we're going to review the Saints. We're going to look at what went wrong. We're going to look at some positives. I think we'll look forward to the bye week, which is now this week. Got a bit longer for people like Keenan Allen to recover. We're going to be talking about what we think the Chargers need to look at during that bye week. And we have loads of Chargers questions. Bez, before you continue, yes. this loss is on you. Because at the beginning of episode 14, <laughs> you said the Chargers were 1-4. and four. We were actually 1-3. and three. So it's on you. Your crystal ball works a treat. Damn it, yet another prediction. Yet another prediction comes right from the Bezmeister, and I apologise for that one because... So what's that about the 12 and 4 charges? (laughs) Damn it. Well, it's come true. Um, We're going to start off by looking at the listener predictions. Guys, you were wrong as well the listeners are getting a bit cocky they said that it was going to be a close charges win um and that clearly not the case actually you, you were well, it could have been it should have been a close charges win well we were a money badger yeah. scuffed no, shot he's just against called the, the badger bar. now the, the badge <laughs> the badge the badges miss kick away from from listening to twitter being correct you're wrong though we missed we lost in overtime so unfortunately um the rest of us here thought we were going to lose the game we did, so you know, pat ourselves on the back for the uh, misery. But I want to know, guys, what your biggest takeaways from the game are. I want to know the positives. I want to know the negatives. And I'm going to start off with you, John Ayres. All right. Um, I mean, I think the biggest positive that I think we can take away is obviously Justin Herbert is the real deal. I mean, I, I know we kind of already knew that already. Not that there was much question, but I mean, just... Another great performance. Uh, just he looked great. Um, I, I will say that uh, some positives I also took away uh, from the game were some guys stepping up into roles when they needed to. I mean, 
Keenan Allen obviously is amazing, and he deserves every penny that he's getting paid on his new contract, probably more. I thought uh, when he went down, Mike Williams stepped into the game and said, you know what, I'm going to be the wide receiver one, no problem, lean on me. And he was making just great catch after great catch. He was a big asset out there. Uh, Jalen Guyton, the guy who I you know, definitely had pretty low hopes for, I thought he's he stepped up and played an integral role. Hunter Henry has been a reliable weapon out there. You know, it's, I think there are some, you know, there's a lot of good pieces out there and a lot of guys who are stepping up on defense and Chenwe Nuosu. I think he's done a pretty good job filling in uh, for Ingram as best as he can. I thought that was great. Um, I, I thought, you know, guys who have kind of been thrown into the fire have also stepped up a little bit. I think Davis, he didn't have a great game, but I think he had another solid game. I think he did get picked on a little bit, but I think he also came up with some big stops uh, and defenses uh, that I thought were really important. So, you know, altogether, I, I, the positives I'm taking, there are guys who are stepping up in the absence, but I mean, there's just so many injuries. It's just hard to, hard to take too many positives, especially from this loss. I really liked what the Chargers did on offense in the first half. There was a lot of play action, a lot of movements, a lot of quick, you know, quick short passing, and then setting up the big, you know, big play action throws. Uh, that was all great, but you know, we got exactly what we've seen all year long: is they take a lead into the half and they come out and they try to play, you know, ball control, you know, run it up the middle, run it one one to two times each time. I mean, I think the stat I think I saw is, and forgive me if, I, if I'm butchering the stat, but it's like, I think of the 18 first down plays they had, I think they ran it on like 14 of them or something. Uh, and they only had, they had less than 20 yards total. I mean, that is just, you, you can't do that. You can't, you can't sit there and turtle up and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go ahead and run the ball and I'm going to put my, my team in a position where they're now second and long. Uh, and then either run it again and force third and long, or throw it on second and long. And then, uh oh, if you don't make that, if you don't make that pass, now you're at third and long again. I think, you know, Shane Steichen is getting some credit, and I'm sure he's done a good job. But something that I've been very, very disappointed with is that it feels like a lot of the success, uh, and I guess it's a positive and a negative. A lot of the success that this offense has had, especially the big plays, have come from Herbert making something happen from a bad play. You know, he's rolled out and made a play. He stood in the pocket and taken a massive hit and made a play. And I don't know how much of that should be given to Shane Steichen, you know, for drawing up the play. I think it's Herbert making making things happen off script. And that scares me. It scares me because if Herbert's not out there making those plays, where would this offense be? You know, it's just it, that that's going to scare me. The defense was, you know, yet again, another kind of mundane soft defense out there they did have some blitzes here and there but ultimately they just you know they they, they sat back in zone for the majority of the game and they were just you know they were just sitting there trying to say hey you know don't beat don't beat us with a big play just dink and dunk on us and you know you take your whatever points you'll get and we'll just be happy with that you know it's it all altogether you know it's just a bad game and then ultimately of course special teams i think i've been I, i've been saying we need to fire the special teams coach i've been saying we need to reevaluate the way we 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 train and that and we do special teams and you know they let us down big i actually thought it was going to be on a, on on a punt just seeing the punt coverage as well as the blocking that was going on i was waiting for a blocked punt or a big return i mean they were just dying to trying to happen and yeah. then it came on missed extra point and mixed field goal so i mean special teams is just such a major liability i mean i'm not i'm upset with the coaching i've been very negative on the coaching i do think everybody should be 
you know, on the hot seat and should have their jobs evaluated at the end of the season. But if you're going to make a midseason change, the only change that I would be okay with is dumping George Stewart, getting getting him out of there, get a new special teams coordinator in there. John, so. I, I think there will be a coaching change between now and our next game, quite frankly. In where? Special teams. You think so? Yeah, I, I think I think it's a... There's a pause now in the season for us. We've got a long run into the end of the season when we when we play our next game against the Jets, and this is time for reflection, regrouping. And if they're going to do anything, they're going to do it now because um, it would be a bit silly to do it when you've got short weeks or you, you know um, consecutive weeks, which we're going to have after we play the Jets. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in this period, I, and I reckon it would happen before Wednesday, Thursday. I just think they're too loyal and hang on to your hats because I'm getting my shotgun and I'm blasting the coaching staff and this organisation. I've supported the coaching staff. I've loved Lynn smoking his cigars and lighting up his barbecue and saying he's a leader of men and look how good he is, better than you know the Rams head coach and all of this rubbish. And now I'm sorry I've turned and I'll tell you why I've turned. I don't know if it's exactly Lynn to blame or if it's Gus Bradley or if it's Steichen or if it's an attitude. I don't know where it's coming from. But it needs rooting out. I do not want to support a football team that is coached by cowards. I don't want to support a football team that is cowardly and fearful to play football to win that game. What was it? At the end of that second quarter, we're coming into the half. We had the ball with time on the clock. Nah, let's not try and score. Let's try and dink and dunk and run the time off the clock to give the ball back to them to have, what do you say? A warm butter defence. And then what happens? They march down the field and score a touchdown. Jesus, what a set of cowards. Try and score with your rookie who's on fire instead of your pathetic attitude to try and... Oh, wow. We've got three minutes left in the, fir- <laughs> in the, in the first half. We better run the time and protect this 17-point lead because we're so good at doing that, aren't we? Jesus, wet. I'm sorry. Do you, want to hear something, do you want to hear something depressing? I, I'm not 100% convinced that they were trying to run out the clock. I am depressed in thinking that they thought that those were two good, two good running plays and a good passing play and that they just didn't work out. Like, I really think that I don't think they were trying to be conservative there. I think they were thinking, Hey, we're going to run the rock twice. We're going to get a third down and then we're going to convert and we're going to push it down the field. I really think they think that, which is the problem because it's not Mm. working. Delusional. Next level coaching. Jesus. Speaking about the coaching, um, there's one thing I, I wanted to kind of just look at and point out here is um, when McCoy, um, yeah, when when oh, the guy who drink, when, drink. when when need, the guy who always wore a visor was let go. I can't. I can't. When McCoy was let go, um, it was in part due to not being able to get the team on his side and losing these close games. In McCoy's last 16 games, he went 3-9 and nine in one-score games. Now, one of the things they mentioned when we brought in Lynn was he'll get the, the team on his side, he'll change the culture. He'll come in, he'll change the culture. In Anthony Lynn's last 16 games, we have gone 2-10 and 10 in one-score games, even worse than when we had McCoy. So it's... It's not good. I think well, I think there's um, there's an accumulation of things here, and if we if we look at some of the positives we've already mentioned, Herbert, Mike Williams, wow, 
five receptions, 109 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he's woken up, hasn't he? Yeah, we know what he can do. Um, you know, and even Justin Jackson managed to move the football 71 yards on the ground. Um, it's at these key moments. They say that you can't win a game in the first quarter. Well, you can lose it because that field goal, that, that sorry, the uh, the extra point, you know, 6-0, like, it's a great start, but actually that's that's actually bitten us on the backside. And then to give up that touchdown with seconds left on the clock at the end of the first, it's almost like we've got the momentum and we're just letting it go. And it's it, it's got to be a uh, mental application because we've got some good footballers and I've said it before, is this a bad football team or is this a football team that's playing bad uh, badly? And we've got, a, you've got to make your own look, okay? Now, you could argue that the Saints gave us uh, a couple of scores, you know, uh, roughing the pass, uh, roughing the punter, ridiculous, stupid mistake to make. Um, if I was a Saints special teams coach there, I'd be demanding that uh, they're... Um, players donate some money to Red Cross uh, for that. And then you've also got the situation where Drew Brees threw the interception. But this is what's so good about football. There's mistakes all the way through the game. It's highly competitive. It's just unfortunate that we just keep to, we, we keep making the same mistakes at the same time. And you can't always blame that on the coaches. At the end of the day, when the players cross that white line, the execution comes down to the individual. I mean, Mike Badgley now, we've got, we're going to be watching him for the rest of the season. How many more field goals is he going to miss? How many more extra points is he going to miss? Well, we, t- we talked a couple of episodes ago. We had a listener question saying we should have replaced him and none of us agreed. Well, um, And now he's costing us games. Well, part of we're it. You're wrong. You're very wrong. <laughs> I just want to chime in there. Um, was said, you've got to make your own luck. And um, I agree. And that is entirely what I feel like Pep Hamilton is doing. Stop ooh, riding that ooh, train. Ooh. Pat Hamilton for head <laughs> coach. Let's do it. I'm all on board. No, he's he's making his own luck. Oh, oh. No, boo. Give, boo this man. <laughs> Stay off that this soda, is, Dan. This is, this yeah. is your I mean, fun you, episode. If, if, yeah. you look at, if you look at the charges where we closed out that game, fourth quarter, punt, touchdown, missed field goal. I mean, you couldn't make it up. I, I, I don't know if I'd say the way they closed out the game. I'd say the way they... <laughs> They let yeah, the game close get out. closed out yeah. on them. Is what, how I might say that. The way that we uh, let the game slip. You know, something um, actually that Dan said, not that awful, awful pun. I'm going to erase that from my memory. But something he did say about these close games. Um, you know, I, I was in a discussion on Twitter with someone about it. And if you they, they pulled up the close game statistics uh, for the last two coaches who, you know, Mike McCoy, who... Ugh, hate talking about that and then of course um coach who i probably despise and it's probably not fair to him um it's more just i was upset with the way management handled uh the the firing of marty uh, but and then brought in norv who just uh, anyways but between norv mccoy and lynn um and this is from zone tracks by the way he um he said that Norv was nine and fifteen in in close games. McCoy was sixteen and twenty six overall in close games, and Lynn is now twelve and nine overall in close games. So, from a per- percentage standpoint, because obviously some are they've got more close games than others, um, that means Norv was thirty seven point five percent winning percentage in close games. Mike McCoy was thirty eight point one percent winning percentage in close games, and to Anthony Lynn's credit, he has the highest percent 
at 38.7. He is 0.6% more likely to win a game, a close game, than, than Mike McCoy was. Like, that is – that's not good. That's not good. It is just – Get me a drink. And you know what's even more troubling? <laughs> you know what's even more troubling about the stat? Is that if you look at them – okay, let's let, let's do this. Let me extrapolate that. How many close games did these teams play in? Right? Let, let me let – me, let's look. so I look back at those games. And of the close games, the close games accounted for – only 25% of North Turner's ga- of his total games. So, yeah, maybe he only won 37% of close games, but only t- only a quarter of his games were even close. Uh, he also had the highest winning percentage of any of the three overall, you know, at 58% win percentage. Um, so Mike McCoy, 63.6% of his games were close, and Anthony Lynn, 58.2% of his games were close games. So... Uh, I think what that stat tells you is basically that the, t- the of the three coaches, the one that had the best winning percentage and had the most wins stayed out of close games. Why? Because close games just take one thing, a missed extra point, you know, yeah. a, a bad, yeah. a, a bad, bad handoff, yeah. an interception, a bad mistake, a PI at the wrong time, right? Close yeah, games just require one thing to turn the whole thing around. So what North Turner did do to his credit is, you know, he went for it. Sometimes it blew up in his face and they ended up getting blown out because of some poor decisions and whatever. But at least he said, you know what? I'm going to stay out of close games. And his winning percentage bears out the fact that that's probably a better strategy than sitting in close games. Anthony Lynn is nine and five in games that are, that are settled by 16 points or more. So maybe he should stop screwing around in the second half and playing ball protection and just let it rip. Go for it. You're nine and five in games yep. in in games that are high school. Go for it. Don't don't keep well, these games many, close. How long have we all been waiting for him to sort of rip the plaster off, light the blue touch paper? Is that it Jets? <laughs> mate, mate. If it doesn't if it doesn't happen over the next few games, then he's gone. But we I, know I mean, that. I mean, you know, you look at um, Taysom Hill's rushing touchdown there. What on earth is going on with the defense? Let's just part the sea and let him wander into our end zone for six. Just unbelievable. The way that we, we seem to stop opponents with a run game and then all of a sudden, in a red zone opportunity, he walks in, literally unchallenged. Just, that's, why, that's why he's on a $21 million contract, mate. It's <laughs> The, the defence needs to spend some time looking at that. Yeah, it, it just... It's just... That's... To me, that's poor preparation on the part of Gus Bradley and the defense. I mean, you know Taysom Hill is going to come into the game. You know what you know he's not going to do? Throw the damn ball. He doesn't want to throw the ball. I mean, there are tons of times where he gets the snap, and if you pause and look at the the tape, he's got wide-open receivers. But he's not looking to throw. He's looking to run it. The only time he throws it is when he doesn't see a running lane and he feels like he's got to bail out by throwing it. So if that's the case, don't cover the pass. Just go after him. Stop him. Because that's all he's going to do. It's just he was stonewalled and just just looking. He had basically not been effective at all. And the only positive play he really has, has had is that touchdown play against the defense there. I just uh, – it's poor preparation. You know what, though? Did we not all think we were going to have Tyrod keeping a tight, low turnover offense <laughs> that scores low points backed up by an elite number one defense? Where is this defense? Thank God. 
that Herbert's our quarterback because he's actually able to try and outscore some of these players. And and the, we haven't got a defense. We're not elite. And you can blame injuries. We've all got injuries on every single team in the NFL. There are injuries. And I know, I know, John, you want to say we're we're cursed and we're worse than others. But come on, the, that defense is supposed to be absolutely lighting it up, and it is easy to manipulate, catch out, to, target. To be, fair, to be fair, though, Bez, you've just answered your own question. I mean, Joey Bosa's not fully fit. Yeah, Bosa's running without Melvin Ingram and Bosa. You know. I my personal take on Bosa last night was that he probably played more snaps than what he should have done in order to stay competitive, and it's one of the it's one of the I think it's one of the listener questions that have been sent in for later on about who we drafted the first round uh, of twenty twenty one, and and I do think that if we've got a going back to the close wins. What does this football team look like with a full, healthy roster? Now, you could argue that for any of the other 31 teams, but we are seriously banged up. We've got pro ballers, we've got starters, we've got premier backs out um, on the other side of the ball. And, and it and it is a factor. It really is. Because you haven't got that dual threat from Ingram and Bozer at the minute. And What, what, what do you reckon Bozer is? 70% healthy? Hundred percent healthy and just faking it. No, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a bad ankle, he's got a bad arm, tricep, and he's got a bad something else. He's playing at maybe yeah. fifty to seventy-five percent at the best case scenario. You're missing Melvin Ingram. You're missing Justin Jones. You're missing Chris Harris. We've got we didn't get a single snap from Derwin James. We don't have Drew Tranquil out there. I mean, no. it is it is a bad situation. But you know, you you talk about how bad they've played. I so, I still want to point out and again. This is the, this is what I've been having to do on Twitter, which I've not my plan at all to defend this defense, but he's this defense has actually been playing league average. No, it's not elite. No, it's not a top five or top 10 like that we were hoping for, but they've been pay- playing a league league average. They've only given up 25 points a game. Okay. That is right there at the middle of league average. Our offense, which supposedly is carrying us has scored 22 points a game. That's three points less than league average. So if you're looking at that, those numbers, it's telling you that guess what? You know, one team is playing below the league average, one play, team is playing at the league average. And I just don't know if it's necessarily fair to say, you know what, well, this defense should be playing above league average to make up for the fact that this offense is playing below league average. And maybe that was a plan coming in, but that's the reason why Tyrod did not get his job back. Because Anthony Lynn looked at the defense and said, look, we got too many guys injured on the defense. He looked at his offense and said, we've got too many playmakers injured on the offense. Tyrod can't win. He will struggle. He will lose all of these games. So let's leave Herbert in there because he's he gives us the best chance because he can manufacture points just on himself, and that's what they're doing. Well, so who, I don't know. Who was the biggest threat to us? We were uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, we held him to forty-five yards in eleven carries. We've done something right there. Yeah. I mean, third down efficiency for the Saints, uh, five for fifteen. You know, it's it's not perfect, but. Yeah, I don't There's room for improvement. But I do think that some of our key starters, um, you know, the fact that we haven't got them is contributing to this situation that we're in. Yeah, I just we'll I try and stay positive and hope that a lot of them or some of them come back for for the game against the Jets because we really do miss Ingram out there. You know, um, yeah, we do. Bosa, let's just we get it. Hopefully, we get him yeah, but back healthy. Whose who's fault is it that Bosa's banged up? Because you saw how knackered he was in the first few games, sat, couldn't catch his breath on the sideline because he's being ridden 
by the defence and Gus Bradley and expected to bail out of the entire defence. And there's there's not there, there's not enough faith in the in the rotational it's... backup ends. Whereas Nwosu's played lights out, absolutely incredible in 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 coming in for Ingram. And did you see that bull rush where he got the sack on <laughs> yeah, on yeah, uh, Breeze? Jesus, that was quality. Yeah, there's no faith. No, no, just just leave Bosa out there till but he then, dies on the. Pitch. He's another one that's banged up. Yeah, but there's he, nobody, what, he there's... left the game. No, I was going to say there's nobody else I out thought there. Rochelle looked good. Rochelle was not good. Oh, is it Rochelle? No, he was not good. He was. What about Ekbule? This is why. I mean, they've won the Super Bowl, but this is why I could never understand the Chiefs when they had D Ford, Justin Houston, and Chris Jones, uh, a triple prong pass rush. You, you know, that's what. Every franchise, in my opinion, should be looking to put on the field because that was frightening. Um, they've got away with it. That you know, they've people have moved on, but we we're now in a situation where where is our next sack coming from? Where is our next quarterback hit coming from? Where are the pressures coming from? And you know, where the pressures know are the not coming from Isaac Rochelle. Thirty-seven snaps, well, zero pressures. Tell me again, he's doing well. Yeah, but did he? Did he not? Did, did he not tip tip a ball? Thought he tipped. Oh, good, it. he tipped a ball. You mean while he was while he was sitting there not getting any pressure on the QB, he threw his, he flailed his hands up as he was getting thrown back by an offensive lineman, and his hand was lucky enough to be hand of God Maradona status and freaking hit that ball out of nowhere. Stop it, Rochelle's garbage. I just tell you I, who, that, that was quality. That, quality. That, that was elite. Tell you who did get some pressure, and that's um, Amike Agbule. He was yes, the other yes. slice of bread to Joey Bosa in that breeze sandwich. Oh, yeah, like and it. that's why he's worth how much on uh, Cameo.com? <laughs> too much, too much. Well, yeah, honestly, he should he should be getting more snaps over Rochelle. Rochelle is ineffective and awful, and I'm he needs to not be playing. Just like Groy. Well, Groy needs to not be playing on the offensive line. to figure it out. Let's hope that Definitely Bradley to... doesn't sleep much. <laughs> to be fair, well, you know, guys, we've 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 ripped them to shreds. We're pleased about Herbert and and Mike Williams coming back from the dead. Um, we've ripped the coaches, the the special teams, and the defense to shreds. Um, now to put a positive spin on it, who are our players of the week that we're going to put to the general public on Twitter and see which of us knows our stuff? So I'm going to start with offensive, and I believe. Was gets to go first. Oh, yes. Uh, there's only one player to pick this week outside of Justin Herbert. <laughs> That's Mike Dub. <laughs> Mate, he's cracking pick. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. He's absolutely superb. Contested catch machine. He is. Mate, what was it? that f- To win the game, catching the ball, so Badgerly could just chip it over for the victory? Oh... Well, almost, almost. Um, fair enough. I think I think that's a great shout. He, he, to be made, fair. he made a catch as well. Uh, I think it was, the, was it the third quarter. He had no right to uh, take that football. Pulled it down for a completion. A new set of downs. Unbelievable. He is, and I want him renewed. I, I think he brings something to the team, intangible, and and he's for me. A lot of people will disagree, but he's worth the first round pick because he does things other football players cannot do, and you can't replace. You can't replace that production, those hands, that size, uh, unless you have Donald Parham Jr. Um, So, yeah, John Ayres, who's your nominee? Uh, Again, I'm going to go with my nominee, um, non-Justin Herbert. 
uh, nominee because I think that's just too easy. And I think if our listeners are voting for Justin Herbert, it's because they're taking the easy way out. And I think they need to think harder. Um, <laughs> sorry. Ignore this man. Sorry. Um, you know what? You want to vote for Herbert for Pepsi Rookie of the Year for the third out of four weeks? Let's do it. Everyone, Bolt fam, get on there. Vote for him. Refresh. Make it happen. But I think that a guy that I need to personally step back and apologize to and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't have faith in you. I talked trash on your hands. I thought that you were a scrub. And that's my boy Jalen Guyton. Jalen Guyton, oh my goodness. He he has looked really, really good out there as our wide receiver three, occasionally becoming our wide receiver two because of injury. He has done a great job stepping into a role and really making himself an asset to Justin Herbert. I mean, the speed that he is showing out there on the field, the ability to get open, and then the ability to catch the ball and be dependable. To me, it 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 just made me think that he is a guy who I think could stick around on this team, could be the new Tyrell Williams. You know, uh, I think Dan said that he's got a little Ted, Ted Ginn in him. I mean, there's just a lot of positives that I've seen out of Guyton, and I think he's just going to get better. So I'm excited to see, you know, what, what he does as we move forward. So I'm going to nominate him as my player of the game. It's great. The uh, You know, I think he's been made to look better by my nomination uh, for the uh, player offensive player of the week not named Justin Herbert is the man himself Justin Herbert <laughs> I'm taking the easy way out but, but do you know what sod it vote ignore John vote for this man this this lad is the future of our franchise and I, I want to nominate him as an apology because I wanted Tua how many of us wanted to? Uh, no, uh, I, that I was did. me raising my hand. I'm a, I have to yeah. admit, it, like, okay, and it's not that I didn't like Justin Herbert because I was in a lot of, you know, uh, Charger community forums out there, um, that you know that had kind of a shout out to Chargers Brawl. Um, the guy who runs that account had started a, a forum, and I was on there a lot. And I was def- I was doing a lot of Justin Herbert defense. I, I was doing a lot of hyping up a Tua. I love Tua a lot. Um, but I was doing a lot of Justin Herbert defending. A lot of guys going, oh, Justin Herbert's garbage. We should just throw away the season. I'm quitting this team if we draft him. Like, I mean, just a lot of hate at Justin Herbert. And I had to get on there and be like, look, I like the guy. I like Tua more. Tua's my guy. He's the guy I wanted. Yeah. But if we end up with Justin Herbert, I'm not going to be mad. I'll be disappointed because personally I like Tua. But I'm not going to be mad because this kid has got a lot of potential. He's not going to be ready to start right away. Oops, guess I was wrong. <laughs> but, you know, I, but in, in, in fairness, I had no idea they were bringing in the quarterback whisperer, Pep Hamilton. He takes a little bit of this, a pinch of that, sprinkle it on, and we got a new Andrew Luck. So uh, I just – I didn't know that was coming. So if I'd known that, I might have said Justin Herbert all the way, ready to start game one. Uh, anyways, yeah, he's he's a he's an yeah. amazing player, and I think you should definitely be out there voting for him for Pepsi Rookie of the Week. I think you should be consuming all of the hype, all of the plays, all of the highlights. There's a highlight of him kicking a field goal in high school, so yeah. and it looked good. Like it wasn't one of those like yeah. line drives. It was like a beautiful kick. <laughs> they need to try him out right, as kicker. You can replace too. Badgley. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's he... probably one of those players. If he if they play golf this week, he'd probably uh, play off. off. Uh, two handicap or something like that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, these the, he is. He's one of the, everyone knows him. The families that these people went to school with that are incredible at everything because he's a genius. He was 
very intelligent, wasn't he? He won the academic Heisman, as they call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he can. He's every bit of criticism we levelled at him, and and other people levelled at him. Bez, why have, have you made a prediction? Yet? He's he's off to the MLB next season. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, but he's off to play. Was it hockey? I can't remember. No, that was someone else. But you know, he's 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 a leader of our franchise, and I just love the way that he he doesn't dominate the. Um, doesn't want to dominate the, the narrative and get in people's faces. He goes around his business. He delivers. He's tough. He reads the defenses. I love the guy. And I was t- I th- always thought he was better than Burrow. Uh, I just had two or above him. So apologies, Justin. You're my boy. You're my nomination. Let's bring it home this week. Uh, Dan, how are you going to beat me? Um, well, I, to be honest, I, th- I, I don't think anyone's beating that. But I've gone with Justin Jackson. Um, a few of his runs were impressive a few not so much but he's he had the biggest plays apart from g money himself um he had a a nice run on our second drive which was led by a good block by henry but um overall 94 yards on the day average of 4.7 across his 20 touches i think yeah um as far as weapons go when alan went down there was a lot of relying on jackson or a lot of intention to rely on Jackson. Um, It's just not necessarily a a good O-line situation to make the way for him. But, hey, we'll see when Trey Turner's back. If Trey Turner's back. We're going to rely on Justin Jackson a lot going down the stretch. So, you know, if we can get some positivity out of uh, yesterday's defeat and keep that momentum going, I mean, am I right in saying he was the only one that rushed over 30 yards? Yeah, yeah. Charges? Yeah. So, you know, it's a... A lot more rushing shout. yards than yeah, Kamara. It's a fair shout. Say again, Dad? A lot more rushing yards than Alvin Kamara. Well, yeah. yeah. I tell you what, watching um, w- watching the coaching staff decide to run up the middle with Kelly, which was absolutely blasted apart by the Saints defence, was normally five yards behind the line of scrimmage, was a little bit disheartening. But, uh, yeah, and, and I know John uh, absolutely thought... Um, Justin Jackson was worthy of uh, the nomination this week, didn't you, John? Look, I've, I mean, again, he looked, he doesn't had, he didn't have any top end speed. I think I could have chased him down when he got through that big hole. And he had, and honestly, most of his, most of the damage he did in the running game was when there was a big hole for him to run through. I mean, it's not like, it's not like he sat there and cut back and made some space for himself. I mean, there was like a gigantic hole, one of the few well blocked plays, and he just capitalized. So I just don't. I'm not really sold on Justin Jackson. Uh, he got a lot of snaps, but that's because they were kind of in a hurry up for quite a bit of the game, and they kept, you know, they, they threw him in there because he's a. I think he's a, he's a more dangerous pass catching back than Joshua Kelly. So I think that makes sense for him to have gotten more snaps because of that. Um, but you know, like when the team gets into the to the red zone, um, you know, Joshua Kelly goes out there because he's the red zone guy. He's the guy they trust to put the ball in the end zone because he's the guy who's going to get those extra yards. So I don't know. Neither of them played well. I, you know, and I and I get it, Dan. You were the last one to have to pick this week, so you got the short end of the straw, <laughs> which I get. So um, you know, power to power to, you. You. <laughs> power to you. On that one. Power, power back to him. Um, I've got a question before we move on to defensive nominations. Um, the Jets, are, uh, which are looking like a contender for the first overall pick, are looking to trade Le'Veon Bell. No. No. Nope. Move on. Move on. <laughs> no, thank you. Don't, don't even go there. Move on. <laughs> 
Oh, we shut down. Yeah, shut down. <laughs> I reckon he'd be available no. for something like a sixth or seventh round pick. I mean, I would take him for a Adam year. Adam Gase is is a madman, so you know. Players get better when they leave Adam Gase. So yeah, Le'Veon Bell was yeah. very good. Uh-huh. He went to Adam Gase. He's been very bad. It would not surprise me one bit is if he got traded somewhere and he turned into like the you know top five comeback player of the year. Yeah, like <laughs> literally would not surprise me. Have a listen to Monday's Move the Sticks. Listen to Daniel Jeremiah talk about Le'Veon Bell. We'll, we'll leave it there. Oh, okay. Well, Daniel Jeremiah <laughs> is, 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 in a, is in not a very good podcast compared to ours, obviously. Um, guys, um, so that's a massive no from most of us. Uh, I'm going to say now let's nominate the defensive players of the week, starting with Dan. You get first pick. Okay. Juicy, juicy pick. So I've gone with Kazir White. Um, nice. He may have got beaten in coverage a couple of times, but who didn't um, when we were playing soft? But he far and away led the team in tackles. He was all over the place. Um, I think in terms of linebackers he led the team in snaps as well um he's completely beaten out denzel perryman in the mad- middle of that linebacking core uh, who i think was only on there for like 20 percent of the snaps um and yeah i think he he had uh, a good uh yeah i think did he get one of the sacks no that was noise who got the sack wasn't it um yeah, it was noise and bosa um but he did get a quarterback hit he did get a tackle for a loss and yeah he was um just looking it up now 15 tackles on the day, ten solo, five assists. We, we've mentioned him a few times. You know, there's a bit of a thing going here with old Kaiser. So, yeah, well, I think he's come back to come back to the defense and been a bright spot. There's there's weaknesses to his game. I think you know some of the veteran QBs like to target him now and again on third down, um, and he can be exposed. But at the same time, I think he's he's actually an above average ear coverage linebacker as well. So you know, great shout. Thank you. Um, I, I'm happy with that. I'm gonna follow you up with my my player and this is a guy who every single week I've been tweeting that he keeps lighting it up on defense I'm really impressed with the attitude he brings with the tackling the IQ he's, he's stepped into almost Derwin James's shoes this year and that's Rayshon Jenkins um, I cannot stop seeing him he if it was the draft I was sort of researching that you hear that phrase you, you can't not see him on tape well that's what he's doing every single game um, and and I think Ray Sean is is going to be a big part of the back end of this defense for a long time. Dad, we stuck with him. Where are you going, John Ayres, for defensive player of the week? So I was going to go Linval Joseph. Going to go Linval Joseph because you know I've been a big fan. I've been touting him best signing of the offseason, and I think that's true now, especially since the other guys haven't played you know thirty percent of snaps or something like that, uh, at least on the offensive line. But I think I'm going to make a last-minute change here. And I know Charger fans aren't used to seeing adjustments after halftime, but I'm going to make an, I'm yeah. going to make an adjustment. Uh, and I'm going to go with Joey Bosa, which was the easy pick, I think. I think Bosa is just... So here's the thing. Bosa led the team for five pressures and a sack. Obviously the best player out there. He did it on 28 snaps. 28 snaps. Okay, I mean, he was hobbled. I mean, the heart and the grit that he showed out there is amazing. To be honest, uh, to be honest, it scared me a little bit when I saw him out there hobbling. I saw he could be injured. He could be um, he, he he could be re-injuring himself. He could he could be putting himself in a worse position. So I was getting really really scared 
watching him out there towards the end of the game. But he gutted it out, and, you know, I just – I don't know if I can't nominate him um, the more I think about it because just what he did out there was so <laughs> impressive and, and so brave. And, you know, the fact that they wasted it away by missing kicks kills me because between Justin Herbert's amazing effort and Joey Bosa's just complete bravery in the face of injury – I just, uh, it's tough. So I think we all got to give do, do you know what, John? some love. Yeah, I think so. But it's brave nominating the second best defensive end on the field for the Chargers after Nuosu. Ooh. <laughs> Yeesh. Okay. <laughs> Listeners can decide. Ooh, well, last but not least was. Oh, I'm getting the scraps now, aren't I? Uh, going last. <laughs> well, I'm going to go for a player that uh, picked off Drew Brees. That was Nazir Adley. Just, just great to see our players making interceptions. Um, the awareness there, you know. Naz was on the on the on the spot. He took the ball away, made some yardage, moved the chains. So, I think if if you look around, there's not a lot of competition there. As as John has already said, Bosa a sack, two quarterback hits. Owosu was busy with two quarterback hits. Kaiser White, we've already mentioned. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot more to come from the defense. We've already mentioned the injuries, but you know it's another another game, another interception. So uh, well done, Naz. Well, he gambles a lot, doesn't he? And, and, and yards, I'm glad man. to see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see it. I think he gets. Uh, I think he freezes in the headlights sometimes, and the the touchdown to. Was it Cook was was sort of on him yeah. freezing and, and not not taking a chance to get over there. That was disappointing. Uh, that, that yeah, and there's been a lot to be disappointed down. at. This is a bright spot because he read the play, positioned himself well, bad throw, intercepted, and we need to see more of that from the guy because that's what he was supposed to bring to the team. Well, there we go, guys. We're going to put it to you on Twitter to decide which of our picks is your pick uh, for offensive and defensive player of the week. So as we wrap up. The Saints review, we're going to move on to preview, but there is no game uh, next week. We have a bye week, a uh, bit of time to heal up. No uh, short week for the Chargers, especially beneficial when we've got the likes of Keenan Allen suffering an injury mid-game. So we get some time to rest and recuperate. We're all miserable as Chargers fans with no no game to watch. But it's a really well-timed break in the season to prepare for the most important stretch we need to win the next five games so if we are going to not tank for Sewell if we're going to make a run at this and and give Herbert and Bosa the support they need what I want to know guys is what off uh, what bi-week adjustments what do we need to make what is the focus for the team this week Uh, Dan um well First and foremost is health, making sure that we're doing the right things with strength and conditioning. Um, I mean, you look at even just in last night, how many players went down hurt? Um, Alan, Haywood, well, I'm not sure if Haywood was hurt. He disappeared towards the end of the game, so I assume he was. Tevi disappeared at the end of the game. We got a Storm Norton sighting. Um, um, Michael- Tevi, so just FYI, Tevi got mm-hmm. poked in the eye, so... Oof. Yeah, so that's why he went down. And then Hayward, I don't know what the injury was, but he did get injured, which is why yeah. um, he wasn't playing those last few. I think it last three series. He Embarrassment? Yeah, with a face shield, maybe? Um, I don't know. But, 
it was it was weird though because he got poked in the eye, but yet he still it still seemed like he could find more blocks with with one eye. Yeah. Um, then you've also got Mike Williams got hurt on that last play of the game on that catch where he got bent over to stop him short of the first down. Yeah. Um, Nuosu got hurt, left the game. Allen got hurt, left the game. I mean, these are all. They, they all add up. I mean, you add them to the rest that we'd already got, but we won't go into those. Um, so I think we need to at least spend this the rest of this week just going, okay, wrap everyone in like bubble wrap and just no one touch anyone and see what happens. Um, and then maybe the coaches can spend some time learning how to coach. <laughs> yeah, coaching for it's, dummies. I'm just gonna I, think, I think heat packs, ice packs, rest, recuperation... Lots of uh, study, get the tape out. I think it's in, it's going to be important for the the rookies to review what they've done well and what they haven't done well going to um, the bye week, and just just pray that one that nobody contracts COVID, and, and two that we get some one or two players back out of the trainers' room. But I'm never a fan of having an early bye week. But this this year I am. Uh, I think it's come at the right time, you know. But that's it. We've rolled the dice and then we go forward and there is no more breaks until the week before the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great shout. Uh, John, off-season, off-bye-week. Not off-season, bye-week. I mean, I think, I think they have the day off today. I think they probably have a have coaches meetings um, sometime on Wednesday or Thursday, and that's when we'll get the, probably the news that George Stewart's been fired. Um, check out, check right move. house is up for sale. <laughs> uh, so I think that happens. I don't think there's any other coaching changes. I just, I, I, I really don't. I don't think there's, it, it's been, there's so many injuries, and there's only been five games. And again, I think we keep, even though they've all felt like winnable games, let's not forget, you know, they've played Tampa Bay, they've played New Orleans, and they've played Kansas City. Like, those are three tough games, right? Uh, you know, and, the, and Carolina, turns out, they're not as bad as we all thought. I don't know who, who could have guessed that. <laughs> could have guessed that. Yeah, I know. They're, they're actually looking okay. I'm, I'm very surprised. So that game doesn't actually feel like as bad as I mean, it's still a bad loss, but it's not as bad of a loss as it was at the it felt like at the time. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of like, hey, you know, just just bad kind of luck and, you know, some poor play and poor execution and shuffling guys around. So I think they take the buy the time in the buy. I think they you know, they all regroup. And I think they say, look, here's the deal. And I think Tom Telesco needs to sit them all down and go, look, here's the deal. You're all coaching for your jobs. You know, just make it very clear to them. You need to do better. What we saw in those first five games was not good enough. You need to do better. And then I think they all should have a chance to do better. I think Steichen deserves an opportunity to, you know, to see what his game plan looks like. You know, maybe hopefully with the offensive line that we thought he was going to have. You know, I think uh, Bradley has an opportunity now for two weeks to really look at how his defense is played and where they're soft and, you know, where they could potentially be better and make adjustments. And I think Lynn has the opportunity to sit there and evaluate how he's been as a coach and decide what do I need to do better, you know, 
and I think they should all be given the opportunity to play out the rest of the season. Because to be honest, mid-season coaching changes don't have that effect that you think they're going to have. You know, you always like, oh, they need to fire the coach. Okay, well, whoever you bring in is probably not riding the ship. It's just not. And you're probably going to lose the locker room. So it, you're going to end up with a poor record anyway. So I don't see the point in firing any of the major coaches. I think you just let them ride it out. Give them an opportunity to win this job. Give them an opportunity to show you why you thought they should be the the offensive or defensive coordinator or the head coach. And at the end of the season, if it's it hasn't turned around, we haven't seen the improvement, then yeah, they're gone. So I think the coaches just need to get together, figure out what's worked and what hasn't, and then prep for the remainder of the season. So that's what I think needs to change. I think as well, we need to be targeting three wins in our next three games. Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars. I mean, Jags are going one and fifteen. Is, Man, we, we've got this this three winnable game. Is there. that the next three games? Yeah. Uh, with the new schedule. Or have we? Oh, in fact, we've changed the schedule. Yeah, we? yeah. So I, Jags I is too. next. I think yeah. I think Jacksonville's still next, but I think after that is Denver. Maybe. Whoa. Uh, we have. I'd have to. I'd have to look at the what the Chargers' new schedule is. I might have to pull that up right now if we can, but I'm pretty sure Broncos are week eight, so it's uh, Jets, Jaguars. It's not Jets. It's it's no. It's, it's nothing. Jags. It's Sorry. Jags. nothing. Broncos. Jags, Broncos, Raiders, La- Raiders, then Miami, Dolphins. New York. Then... So out of those next five games, there's there's still three winnable games there. We don't know what we're going to get with with the Raiders. Yeah, great uh, win of the weekend. I would say, uh, you know, I, honestly, I would say we've got five games. Jags, Broncos, Raiders, Dolphins, Jets. Of those five games, I'd say four of them are are on the easier side of winnable games. And I think the Raiders are a little on the harder side. That's just my opinion. I think the Broncos are worse off than us, banged up, because I don't think they were as talented as, as the Chargers were coming into the season. And then they've lost some major pieces. I think Drew Locke, even if he's back for that game, he'll have had maybe one full game under his belt at that point. I don't know if he's got the rhythm. He still doesn't have Cortland Sutton. So I don't really see the Broncos as a tough, tough match. So I think the Jaguars are a winnable matchup. The Broncos are winnable. The Dolphins are winnable. The Jets are definitely winnable. I think all four of those games should be winnable games. I think it's really going to be like, how do they handle the Raiders? So they should really probably be, uh, they, they really need to consider going five and five. Like five and five is really important because then they have the Bills. But four and five, I think, is do is isn't a bad situation either. With the expanded playoffs, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the one thing I want to make sure they improve on in the bye week is I want them to go and find their cojones. That's what I want to do. I want them to practice fourth and one, fourth and five, fourth and twenty-three. I want them to go for it. I want them to try and score points and just get in a positive mindset to kill, kill, kill the opposition team. No soft butter defense, no little runs. No, go go and go and try and spend a week sharpening your axe and becoming men, and uh, and and then report back to me when we're facing the uh, the Jags. That would do me nicely. Yeah, you don't disagree with that? No, I think you're right. I think they need to come out of every game moving forward in the second half as if it were zero zero. I think that's just yeah, how they need I to agree. play. Because they're coming, Agree, I mean, they're coming in knowing that they have the lead and they're playing like it, and it's it's awful. I mean, we've recovered from a four-game skid before under Coach Lynn. Uh, we can do it again, but we've just got to cut out these silly mistakes. We need a bit of luck. Mm-hmm. Let's get Badgley into that wind tunnel, kicking those field goals until he can smash well, them if, from 50-plus If he's yards. missing them in a dome, 
I have worries. Well, but uh, <laughs> you just can't you just can't make that up, can you? You just can't make no. that up. And it was all game. But I mean, this actually nicely segues into our listener question segment because our first question is: What did the Chargers have to do to maintain a fourth quarter lead? That's from Curtis on Twitter. Thank you. Um, and and my answer is: grow some grow some balls and go for it and start stop trying to stop trying to avoid losing and go out and win a game. Stop, Guys. stop conceding scores inside thirty seconds of the of the second quarter. You know we we did it against the Chiefs, um, we did it against the uh, Panthers, we did it uh, in New Orleans. We've got we've got a commanding lead. We need to put the accelerated pedal down and, and go for it. And go into that half time without looking over our shoulders. That's that's the first thing, and then take that momentum forward, like you said. But let's rewind back slightly. The, we do come out really hot. How much of that is taking it out of the players going into the third and fourth quarter? I think Dan's already mentioned the, the, the strength and conditioning. Are we fit enough? It's a question. I don't know. Are, are we fit enough to compete for fourth quarters? Because if you, anybody that's played sport, when you start getting physically fatigued, you start becoming mentally fatigued because you've got other things to worry about. Um, so... Is that a problem in their preparation? Has it been a problem in their pre-season preparation that's now having a hangover into a regular season? Who knows? I mean, I think it's, I think it's, if anything, it, it's about making adjustments. I think it's not about fitness. Uh, I think it's about the adjustments or, or the lack thereof. I don't see, either I'm seeing no adjustments or I'm seeing an adjustment towards being more conservative. So yes. what they need to do is they need to stop coming out with a conservative ball control game plan and need to play, you know, with the same mindset they had in the first half. And, you know, the other team has done a great job almost every week, I think except for the Bengals game. Besides that game, the other team has done a great job coming out in the second half with a better game plan than the Chargers. And it's been pretty evident. They've been outplayed, I mean, massively. It is it is not a good thing. I mean, they have they've only scored double digit points in the second half of games once, and that was against the Bengals. Ten points. Every other game has been seven, six, three, nine. You know, like it's not it's not going to cut it. Like that's great. You want to score fifteen or seventeen to twenty something points in the first half. That's great. If you're only scoring three points in the second half, you're going to lose a lot. You know, and part of it is because that defense is just not an, is not the Ravens. You know, maybe if it's the Ravens out there and you're you're basically fully healthy and you're you're holding teams to 10 points a game, yeah, you can go out there and be conservative like that, but you're not. And I think the problem is is they're not recognizing that and they're not making an adjustment. I fully agree with you there, John. Um, there's just there's too much hesitation to kind of just finish it off or at least extend that lead. It seems to be a case of like you build up the lead then you you let them see how they can do and then you go okay now we need to play again um but you've lost all the momentum by that point and can never get going 100 percent, dan 100 percent. i would like to see so you, yeah. you talk about this a lot and you know you generally have that whole first drive scripted out right like almost all teams do this it's a it's just a set this set of plays that you've designed to score 
And that's why yep. you, you do see a lot of teams with success on their first drive generally because they've got these great set of plays that they've loaded up and are ready to go. And then after that, the game kind of really starts for your offensive coordinator to start kind of moving things around and bringing in different packages. So I would like to see the Chargers script out two drives. First drive of the game and the first drive of the second half. And it not be run, run, pass. <laughs> exactly. Like, I just... You need to have an aggressive set of plays for your first possession, and you need to go and score a touchdown. If they had done that in any of these last four losses, they would have won those games. If they just had a script saying, hey, we're going to come out and we're going to score. Not, we're going to come out and go three and out, and the other team's going to score, and then we're going to score. Well, that's great. You've, you've gone, you know, you've let them score, though. You've already you've already lost any like you you you're not playing from that power position. You're almost playing scared again, you know. So I, that's what I want to see. I want to see a scripted first set of plays for the first half and a scripted first set of plays for the second half. And I want to see touchdowns both times. I want to know every game that we're scoring in our first possession in each half. Because if you can tell me we're scoring a touchdown in each of our first possessions in each half, I'm going to feel really really confident about this team. I, I want to see us. Um, win the toss and choose to receive the ball in the second half. Defer to the second half because we we chose to receive the ball to start the game last night. We know we do well in the first half. Why why the need to start with the ball? Just get the ball at the start of the second half to take control. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I think it's a great point, especially oh, since they've been I giving think... away points at the end of halves. Like the la- the worst thing you can do is that give away points at the end of the half and then give away points at the beginning of the next half. That's a massive swing. I think they should be deferring and taking the ball at the second half every chance they can get to try to slow down that issue from happening. I think the opposition are going to start using our fourth quarter performances against us. You know, charges, we've got them next week. They've got a soft underbelly. It's, it's how they play the fourth quarter, how, how they finish the yep. game. And we've got to address that. Yeah, they'll play it right now. They'll play right it 80% for three quarters yeah. and then they'll play it 100% I, I, again, in the fourth. It's easier said than done. Like we've already spoke about it. You know, come out hot and players are getting gas going into the, the fourth. But that's that's up to the coaching staff and the individuals to sort that out. You know, if you need to put an extra... Let's say if you need to put an extra four sessions on, on the treadmill or do some CV this week in order to improve your fitness that's what you need to be doing but players have got to be honest and they've got to go to the coach and say i i'm struggling here i'm struggling there you can't rely on um the strength and conditioning coaches to pick on every single detail the players have to be honest and say i need more help with this i need more help with that i, I you know I'm, I'm i'm sucking i'm sucking it in deep into the game and the opposition don't seem to be so we need to do something about that well, you talked about coaching. Ghost on Twitter asks, um, is this the right coaching staff to help Herbert reach his potential? Or can we think of uh, anyone better? And he mentions Lincoln Riley, Eric Bienemy, uh, or anyone else. I, I, honestly, the jury is uh-uh. still out. I, I Obviously, I've been a proponent for, you know, criticizing the head coach and criticizing the offense coordinator. But, you know, I think the jury's a little out still. I think that they have an opportunity the rest of this year to show us that they can they can put this team in positions to win. And I think that's what they're going to have to try to do. That they're going to have to, honestly at this point I think that they should fire the coaching staff and start new. 
Um, so I think at this point, that's my opinion. So they need to convince me that they need, they, they should stay. Uh, and I think the other part of this is, you know, as much as I've been defending Gus Bradley and saying, look, you know, yes, it hasn't been pretty and sexy and exciting, but that defense has been good enough to keep him in games. It's the offense that has struggled to win the game, in my opinion. So, and that's great. If you're the Chiefs, that's awesome. You know, if you're the the Seahawks or the Bills and you're scoring 30 points a game, no problem. Go ahead and be a league average defense giving up 25 points a game and being soft but not giving up the big plays. That's a great way to win games. The problem is we're not on offense. On offense, we're 22 points a game, which means we need an elite defense that needs to be more aggressive, needs to be turning the ball over, needs to be stopping the other team. So if that's the case, if Anthony Lynn is just saying, look, we're fine scoring 20 to 27 points a game. We think that's a good enough for our offense. Then he needs to fire Gus Bradley and he needs to find a coach that can be aggressive. That is, that is all I can think of because right now the way the offense is playing and the way that Lynn and Steichen are coaching the offense is not matching up with the way Gus Bradley is setting up the team to win with his defense. Right. And vice versa. So maybe the situation is that they need to find a different defensive coordinator that can potentially be more aggressive. I don't know. It just, it, it's not working out. That's all I can say. And, and right now, yes, I would like to see some changes at the top if they can't turn it around the rest of the season. As far as options, the enemy is a great option. I don't know about Lincoln Riley. I'm not really sold on Lincoln Riley, to be honest. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a couple other coordinators in the league who are kind of making waves. Um, I think there's... Uh, oh. It's a different ball game when you're an offensive or a defensive coordinator, and then you step up to the head coach role. You've got you've got this much on your plate, and all of a sudden you've got this much on your plate. You know, yeah. It's, some some can't some can't cope with it. Well, some people are naturally good at being the offensive or defensive coordinator and letting the head coach do the the, the, the you know the overarching uh, leadership and, and strategy. Well, I would I would argue that then what about what if your head coach came into the job without any success at any of those positions? Anthony Lynn was a running back coach and an assistant coach his entire career. And then in one year in Buffalo, he was elevated to offense coordinator and then elevated to head coach because everybody above him was fired. (laughs) I mean, and then all of a sudden he's he's the head coach of the Chargers. I mean, that's great. But he literally had no experience being successful on either any side of the ball. You but know, then, but then look, you know, it's sometimes it's look, look at the Browns. What would have happened if they'd have kept Bill Belichick and Nick Saban? Yeah, Bill Belichick is overrated. I mean, I've never heard no of Pep, him. But he's it, no it, Pep it, Hamilton, is he? No, no, we should look internally if, if we're going to make changes, elevate Pep Hamilton, give that guy more responsibility. I mean, he is a winning head coach. Sure, he, he yes. only coached for, for five games for the um. For the XFL, what was his record? Uh, three and two, but yes! he's a winning head coach. Um, uh, I, I I can't say I know enough about college coaches to um, to delve into those. Um, what I fear is that we won't do anything on offense at all, um, mid season, end of season, anything, and we'll just roll with it. Um, what I can see happening is more a defense coaching change. Um, if anything were to happen to Gus Bradley in his position, what do we reckon? 
uh, Anting Lin to call on his old friend and um, just drag Rex Ryan into this. Seth's dad. <laughs> Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips is available and waiting. Son of bum. I like Wade Phillips. Out. Yes. Time out. This is this is about getting the best out of Justin Herbert. That's true, the true, true. Question. We, we're going off. I mean, I'm going to sit on the fence here, and then I'm going to get off it. We've all <laughs> raved about how good Justin Herbert is. Okay, only bears with his crystal ball for saying <laughs> that he will come into the league before week three. Yeah. Okay? Herbert's you coming. Mean? He's done a fantastic job under the circumstances. Now he hasn't done that on his own, has he? He's been coached. He's been schooled. Yeah, there's an element there of natural ability. Okay, he can't. He, the only experience he's got is is from from his time at Oregon. So you've got to give the the coaches some credit there for, for the way that he's handled himself. He's been. But, but I just want to point out he had zero reps with the first team offense. They had zero plays designed for him. Meaning exactly. he was being coached by one person, Pep, Pep Hamilton. Hamilton. Pep Hamilton is the only person that's been coaching him up. And then all of a sudden he's a starting quarterback and then he gets all the attention. But guess what? He was good from snap number one, meaning that Pep, Pep, Pep Hamilton took this clay and molded it into Andrew Luck 2.0. He did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's but making his own luck. Give Lynn some credit because for what? Lynn, what has Lynn, Lynn done? Did. What has Lynn done? Except for Lynn. not commit to him when, when it was obvious after one game he no. should have. Lynn has done Brought nothing. Pep Hamilton. Lynn will have been in his shell reassuring him, talking to him, and, and leading him as the head coach should. And I think Lynn, for the best part, has done that with... Look, I'll, I'll put it to you all. How many Chargers players opted out this season because of COVID? Zero. How well, many Chargers are knocking mm, on the door? Melvin Ingram, pop- fake injury, Joey How many Chargers this season, apart from Ingram with his old in, how many Chargers are knocking on the door to leave the, the franchise? None. I now, don't disagree. If, if they you, play if for you look him. At, Desmond King. I, I said this before. In, in week, <laughs> yeah, week, week two, week three, I said about the Jags. Or even before the season started, everyone was jumping shit. There's a reason why they're jumping shit, because there's an internal problem. I don't see that with the Chargers at this point in time. That's just me sitting on the fence. And, I, I love I, it. I, I do mean, think there's great. a difference. Then make, then make him the motivational head coach. That's exactly. Great. I think there's can, a difference between leader and coach. off the field. Right, but when it comes to calling the games well, and, and running this team, it should not be Anthony Lynn. That's great. He's a motivator. Well, That's great. He's got everybody excited. Well, guess what? We can be the most excited, most fired up, most dedicated one in fifteen team in the league. That's great. Yeah, yeah if you can't game it. plan, well, I, I need results. I've got a name for you guys. In fact, Ghost, thank you for the question. I have a name for you that trumps everything my colleagues have said. Come in closer and listen to the name that you will love. You haven't thought about him. You forgot he even existed. So, here's my plan. You sack Tom Telesco, you sack Anthony Lynn, <laughs> you, and you hire Bill O'Brien. Hey, before you say that, I know you've already uh, said it, before we continue uh, with that... pull the internet chain out of his... Uh... If, if, if you're thinking fire Telesco as well, I'll just add, Pep Hamilton was also GM in the XFL. Oh God. Stop, stop. Oh. Just, okay, honestly, look, if they decided they wanted to cut the head off the snake and, and get rid of uh, Lynn, I would be 100% on board with them taking Hamilton and elevating him to head coach and giving, because just see what happens. As much as I have been disappointed with the way they've called the Steichen's called games at the end of games and in crunch time, I don't know how much of that is Steichen or how much of that is Lynn. Right, because Lynn is yeah, an imposing force, and he has a de- he d- he has decided how this team needs to be run. And Sykin does not have the credibility to say, "No, Lynn, we're running my offense." 
So I I would actually like to see Hamilton lead the team and let Steichen do what Steichen wants to do and see what happens. Because if there's a big change and we see that offense flourish under Steichen, uh, not being hampered by Lynn, then you know maybe maybe we know what the problem was. Right, guys. Time for the last two questions. Um, we're going to go rapid fire. We're going to go around the table. Really quick answers. Your thoughts. Um, bang, bang, bang. So, first off, Football Dude UK on Twitter. Thank you for your question. Is it time to panic or can the Bolts turn it around? I'll start. It's time to panic if they lose the next game after the bye, but not quite today. I think they can go for. I think they can go one and four of the next five games. Panic if we lose the next game or the game after that. Dan. <laughs> uh, not time to panic yet. <laughs> um, I agree with you, Bez. Maybe see how things go after the next two or three games and then consider panicking. But even then, at, at that point, it's too late to panic. The, the season's done. Was. No time to panic. <laughs> There'll be a time to panic if we're 14-0 down at half time against the Jaguars <laughs> the Jaguars uh, <laughs> the Jaguars um, I mean again I think it's the same conversation we were kind of having last week before uh, before the Saints game uh, and that's what's their upcoming schedule look like there's winnable games on that schedule a lot of them so I mean I don't think that there should be any panic in this team at all I don't think there should be any big moves like I said you want to you want to fire the special teams coordinator please please be my guest uh but i don't think there's any reason to shake it up and, and fire anybody else uh you know i i think it is i think his next five games should tell us you know what this team's going to look like moving forward if they don't go at least four and five their next five games not only do they have zero chance of making that expanded playoff spot um i think it's it's time to just say hey let's pack it in let's you know let's stink for sewell and you know just <laughs> let's let's just call it let's just start looking for that draft pick because i just those those coming up games should you should win four of those five games and you know the raiders have looked good in spurs they've also they've been inconsistent because they're the raiders they're not if they could put together a consistent season they could i mean they could be really good they have some real talent there i just don't think they're they're that so i just think that Talk that's about hmm Talk about sorry, John. Talk about coaches getting the best out of their quarterbacks. John Gruden with Derek Carr. You know, I'd love to see what I'd love to see what I'd love to see what um, John Gruden would do with with um, any of the top quarterbacks in the NFL because he's he's obviously went away from the game, relearned his craft, and he's come back in. I, I think he's done a good job with the Raiders. We're, we're having no Raiders or Gruden love on this podcast. Uh, Get off, was. I mean, I don't um, know. Last... I mean, Derek Carr, and I don't know if it's a function of Derek Carr not wanting to throw the ball deep because he's scared, but he has barely thrown the ball deep until this last game. And yeah. I think that, I, I don't know if that's a Gruden thing, because Gruden has really had that offense looking like a West Coast dink and dunk, you know, pound mm-hmm. the rock, like kind of, kind of offense he just hasn't looked like the kind of offense that takes a shot and again i don't know if that's the function of the quarterback not wanting to make the deep shot and it's been designed in there and he's just been passing and and throwing it to the to the running back or to the tight end i don't know i really don't know what the what the situation is there but I, that offense has not blown me away with creativity so i don't i don't know about the gruden thing right, <laughs> right. last question rapid fire 
British Bolts on Twitter, and I think John, you sort of touched in it with the uh, what did you say? Suck for Sewell or something like stink, stink for Sewell? Was it? I'm I trying think to be nice. Hashtag stink for hashtag Sewell. Suck for Sewell. Um, um, should the Chargers look to an edge rusher in the first round of the 2021 draft? Uh, was yeah, hundred percent. Melvin is the wrong side of thirty. Free agency in 2021. Do we sign him? Stick or twist? I think we go for a pass rusher in the first round. Dan? Nope. Um, I, I think O line uh, can't be can't go another year without addressing tackle. I think I, I agree 100 percent with that. Tevi has looked serviceable, but that's not what you want out of your blindside tackle. And Pipkins has looked awful. I'm talking complete trash. So if they don't draft an offensive tackle in the first round or sign a veteran elite offensive tackle to complement Balaga, then this team's going to be in big trouble. So I think you've made the investment in the quarterback. You know, as they say, your first check is for the mortgage. That was Justin Herbert. Your second check is for the insurance. And that's your blindside tackle. Sewell all the way. <laughs> I love that film, <laughs> The Blind Side. Um, I disagree with all of you. I disagree with you, British Bolts. I think we re-sign Melvin Ingram and we go after Trevor Lawrence quarterback because Justin Herbert isn't cut out to uh, lead. No. <laughs> Shift Herbert to kicker and bring in Lawrence. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's true. You know, it's true. Now, I'm on board with the tackle. Um, I don't think we'll be picking in the top uh, positions to go and get one of those elite positions there. I would only think we wouldn't get a tackle if there isn't a leap one available and I would therefore look for a cornerback because Mike Davies uh, is not cut out and I think Hayward's on a downward trajectory. Davis didn't have a bad um, game just to add. He he had an okay game. I still hate <laughs> You know what? He's, the last three games he hasn't been bad and he's got a pick six. I think he's been playing fine. I mean, he's your number two slash three cornerback. Like, he's playing like a, a solid number two or three cornerback. He's not a number one cornerback. That's supposed to be Hayward. Hayward is the one that's been, you know, underperforming. So, I agree. I do, I, I do agree. And we have to replace him. Hayward maybe. I mean, he's, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, too. I mean, he may have just fallen off a cliff. Cornerback is one of those positions that just kind of like a wide receiver where, you know, unless you're like a big-bodied possession receiver, you're one of those, like, speed, quick agility guys. Like... You fall off that cliff, it's gone. It's just it's running back, the same thing. Just all of a sudden, just it's like it's gone. Like they've lost their ability to play. Like the monsters have sucked their <laughs> talent away from them. It just and I'm afraid that Hayward, if he doesn't improve, I'm afraid that's what happened. I think he's fallen off a cliff and he's done. So, you know, he corner. I don't hate the cornerback call either in the first round if there's one worthy of the pick. Guys, great hot takes. We now go to our, have our own little rest. We will be releasing a podcast uh, next week in the in the bye week for you to keep you, uh, give you your charges, Phil, listeners. Thank you for all your questions. I want to ask my uh, co-hosts where you can be found on the socials. At Endzone85. You can find me at Adroit Airs, probably somewhere defending Gus Bradley, even though it makes me sick. Um, hashtag Audible Chocolate. Uh, you can find me at UKLA Chargers. You can find me at Bez the Spaniard. And you can find the magazine website at Charged Up Bolt. And you can find this podcast at Charged Up Pod. Come and get involved. Vote in the uh, Twitter campaign, the Twitter polls that we put out. 
and uh, see our tweets throughout the uh, the game. It's been great having you. See us on facebook.com forward slash charged up bolts too. Give us a like, give us a follow. We can't wait to have you on board. Thank you yet again for listening. Enjoy the bye week. <laughs>